Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest talents. I'm your host, Alan Seals. And as always, you can find us online at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter and on the web at thetheaterpodcast.com or even on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Jillian Hockman sitting with me here again during our reflection section. Hey. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm Okay. Actually, I'm good. That's not. That's a lie. I'm better than okay. You're doing great. I'm doing great today. We're about to release Beth Level's episode, and uh, we interviewed her recently. She's now the second person we've interviewed that that has a, a Broadway resume that is almost as long as, or longer than I have been alive, yeah. Nancy Opal being the first. Um, these wonderful, wonderful women who have just been in the business for for decades, literally. And it was very interesting to me how both of them mentioned how the business side of things has changed. And even though it doesn't much relate directly to their acting, singing, dancing talent, with all of the things being equal when you're trying to cast two people, uh, social me- their social media influence mm-hmm. plays a huge part of that. Yeah, that's... That- that changes everything now and the amount of exposure you already have and and how much talent you have in relation to um, your relationship with the internet seems to really make a difference. Yeah, and it, it makes me wonder how the industry is going to change in another in another decade or two as the kids of yesterday become the producers of tomorrow yeah. and they they are expecting that, oh, this this great lead over here, she or he must have a hundred thousand followers. I don't I don't want to see anyone like the type, the the character breakdown. It's gonna be tall leading person type of genre, must have fifty thousand Instagram followers. I hope we don't get to that. That sounds like some weird dystopian future that you know, it would be in some Tarantino movie or something. I don't think we're ever going to get to that. I think it's going to play a factor into it. But I think if you have the talent and you write for the part, that's that's really going to be what makes or breaks it. I really hope so. Yeah. Because that's, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see somebody with great talent. You're not going to see someone with a ton of Instagram followers. But at the same time, that's always been a thing. People have always put celebrities into shows because of their popularity. It's just now we have followers and it's much more easier to be an influencer Whereas before it was you were on TV or you were in a movie and they threw you on a stage to sell tickets. It's, True. It's similar, but now anybody can do it. Which is also kind of inspiring too of, well, yeah, I can do it myself. You can do it yourself. You can get access to these people on YouTube. And then the and then I, I don't want to go down a rat hole of the, <laughs> how how marketing is going to change too. But I'm sure I'm sure it will. But anyway, we've been rambling along long enough here. Let's let our listeners get into this episode. Please enjoy our episode here with the one and only Beth Level. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Here you go. One, two, three. Beth Level, thank you for talking with, with me today. You're so welcome. We've been chatting for a while beforehand, but through the magic of editing, we'll just begin here. That's why we're giggling. Yes. Uh, you made your Broadway... Oh, my Broadway... Yes, go ahead. You made your, <laughs> your Broadway debut in the original 42nd Street. Right. And now, uh, now currently starring uh, as, as Dee Dee... In the prom, which is your magic thirteen, you were telling yes, me. Yes, my lucky. That's I'm. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. It's my lucky thirteenth. Yeah, I'm just so proud of the show, and it happens to be number thirteen. And there's there's thirteen Broadway debuts in it. And I swear, Casey Nicola, our director, this is his thirteenth something that I forgot involved with this show. So I'm just feeling, you know, our show's a big hit, and I think it's because it's the number lucky thirteen. And you've. Got a, a Tony nomination for Baby It's You, and then you won a Tony for the Drowsy Chaperone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we'll get to all that. But I want to, I want to rewind a little bit. Go rewind. You hear me? Yeah, I did. <laughs> when I get tired, it comes out to my Southern. Yeah, because I'm looking at the word Raleigh, North Carolina, hey. on my notes, and I can't help because I am from that area as well, which I've talked about several times on this podcast. Seems a lot of people are from the North See? Carolina See? area, North Carolina. Born in Raleigh, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. So tell me about that. How did you, what was your childhood like back back then? And, and how did you get into theater in the first place? Oh, it was simpler back in the day. <laughs> I didn't get into theater. I, I didn't even know what musicals were, which I really didn't. No one in my family was musical. Um, I think my mom sang in a choir at school. My grandfather kind of toyed around with the violin and sang at church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my first musical until my senior year in high school in Raleigh, North Carolina at Broughton High School because a friend of mine, Jan Lee Herndon, hi Jan, who's still in the in, uh, business as well, said you should audition for this show because it's a great way to meet guys. Did it work? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but what was so, in- not really, what was so interesting <laughs> about it was when I, I had no idea what auditioning was and I went in and I actually got this third lead, the Bonnie Jean role in Brigadoon, which was a dance role, which is hysterical. if You know my lack of technique um, in 
the dance department. And I remember the first day of rehearsal, because, you know, in high school, rehearsals last, what, six months or something? You were Oh, it's forever. forever. It's months, yeah. For months and years and years before the show goes up. But I remember being— actually come in as a freshman and, and do I the leave, show as a senior. And you graduate. Yeah. That's your reward. Yeah. Um, I just remember thinking, who, who are these people? And they're just like me. And how in the world can I remain in this oxygen? And I do—I literally remember that light bulb kind of going off think, in my soul, thinking— what have I missed? Well, what is what is happening? But I didn't, in Raleigh, North Carolina, in the 70s and 80s, had no idea what to do with that curiosity. So I went to Meredith College in Raleigh, mm-hmm. did every show I could get my hands on, but they only had a theater minor. It's more than NC more than State a, What had. was it? What was a it? concentration is what I was, <laughs> was available to me at NC State. You sit over there and concentrate. Yes. On theater. Think really hard Think about really it. really about theater and see what happens. And I have a degree in social work counseling, which came in really handy. And like I said, I did everything I could get my hands on, in, including uh, like a, an experimental show at NC State the year I graduated. Can't remember the name of Voices. Oh, it was very artsy. It was uh, six women sitting around doing monologues hmm. forever. And I did at Rye Little Theater. Yeah. I just could not get enough of it. I couldn't get enough of it. And I had a mentor, a, dare I say an influencer, in my, <laughs> <laughs> before they were called influencers, who really, really, her name is Linda Bamford. She really encouraged and pushed. And I was terrified at the thought of moving to New York. So I went and did the only honorable thing was to ask to go to school some more. So I went and have an MFA from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And nice. then I moved after that. Did, uh, at NC State did or RLT, did you ever cross paths with Haskell Fitzsimmons? Absolutely. Oh, I love that man. Not enough. Loved that man. I, I did. I did several shows with him. His, uh, his heart and reputa- rep- reputation preceded him. I heard he was a dear, dear, dear man. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was there for decades. Yeah, I don't know how I missed him, but I did. Wonderful. And um, and John McElwee at NC State, do you know John? I know the name. John, John he Forgive. just retired. He just retired yes. this last, uh, yeah, a couple months ago. Oh, so my he, gosh. He was there for decades, too. That's they awesome. Na- I think they, sorry, named friends, if I'm wrong. I, yeah, they think they named renamed the one of the halls after him. Good. So, yeah, he was, it was incredible. But oh, I, have, I have a plaque. <laughs> at Meredith. Do you? Yeah, it's a plaque of my head, my resume. So, Oh, from the shows you've done at Meredith? No, from one of my New York things. You know, I was inducted into a Hall of Fame at Meredith, and there's a plaque with my face on it. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. Very, very honored. So what year was it then that you came up to New York? Night, the very end of 1981, the beginning of 1982. Like November, December, something like that. And then Broadway debut in 85. Was it 85? Yes, right, because I was yeah. out with almost a year with the national tour of 42nd Street. And the role opened up, and they asked me, did I want to come in? And I was like the fourth replacement for Anytime Annie. Mm-hmm. And I stayed with it for like four years. So you came up to New York and then left New York to go on tour for four yes, years? That's what we do. That's, oh, got to eat. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's what a lot of people do. Were you did you fall into that role uh, easily, or was it was it kind of a struggle for you to find that role at first? The or role find something to to pay the bills. Um, I was pretty lucky. Um, right when I moved up, dear friends of mine had written a show, and they needed literally. It was like Mickey and Judy putting on a show at a barn. Now it's called Showcases, 
or 29-hour readings. But by, back then, they raised enough money to rent out the tiny little theater on Theater Row called South Street Theater, which is now demolished. It's probably a high-rise or something. I think it is. And they had written a musical called The World's Greatest Girl Detective based on the Nancy Drew Mysteries. Hmm. And I played the, the loving Hispanic neighbor. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. But I had a funny song. And I remember sitting backstage at the South Street Theater on the stairs. And if I had, this was the spring after I moved up, I do believe. If I had known, I thought it was just going to be their friends, maybe, and family. You know, I just moved from North Carolina. If I had known who was in that audience that night, it was so many industry people, so many agents, so many. Anyway, that night, because I had a very funny song as the Hispanic neighbor, was it Consuelo? Oh, yeah. It was, and I sang a song called My My Life Has Been No Cama de Rosas. That's right. It was very funny. And that night when I got home, before and before we had cell phones, children, there was a thing called, <laughs> like, what was it called? Like an answering service. Bells are ringing. I can't remember what this was. And you would just call every day to check and see if anyone had left you uh, a a job or an opportunity. And when I got home, I had about 15 calls from agents wanting to represent me. And I really connected with this man who was an assistant at a very tiny agency, but I knew someone who knew him, so it felt safe. Mm -hmm. I've been with that man, Mark Redente, longer than any other man in my life. And now he is, I don't know if you've heard of the agency, uh, Bauman Redente, Shaw, BRS, Gage, that's, mm -hmm. He's the R in BRS. Wow. Yeah, he's a dear, dear friend. So you've been with that for a long time. So that, that worked out. Yeah. That worked yep. out. Worked out for you very it well. It did, it did. I did that, and then I went, I, I remember I went to the Muni and did it a whole summer there as third ensemble member from the left, a couple of other things, and then this tour happened pretty quickly. So your Broadway debut was in 85, and then 12 years later was... The, was actually your first original cast debut when Crazy for yeah, You in '92, and then in the meantime, the you worked on Young Frankenstein in mm -hmm. 2008. That was right after a little show called. Oh, sorry, no, 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 2008. Sorry, my you're mm, skipping. I'm I like skipping it. I'm with you. I'm with no, no, you no. though. I'm going. Sorry, I was I was looking at 85 to 92, <laughs> and then 08 somehow fell in the middle. That's not right at all. So. Rewind it. <laughs> 1985, 92. What did you in the meantime between for those 12 years? Um, after Crazy For You, uh, I had a kid. And then after that, I did Crazy For You, Showboat. And then I did The Civil War. And then I did the revival of 42nd Street. That's right. Yes. I'm old enough to have been in one of the original companies of Broadway companies and the revival. And after that, I auditioned for Drowsy Chaperone and my world changed. Yes. And, mm. well, how did it change? What was different? A, I got a job. Um, <laughs> B, I won a Tony Award for it. And that kind of changes. That that shifts your your roots a little bit in the acting world. Did you know when I auditioned for uh, Drowsy Chaperone, I didn't get it? Really? Mm-mm. I went in and, you know, I had my little song I was going to sing because I was even talking to Bob Martin about this, who wrote it, who wrote Drowsy's Chaperone and The Prom, uh, one of the writers. And... They didn't really know what this role was, so they just kept kind of 
throwing stuff up against the wall or actors and see which one stuck. So I went in and I sang my song and I read this the side and it it just wasn't what I like to call on the page. It they didn't know what it was that wasn't like you could go in and do a funny monologue. Mm-hmm. It was one-liners and attitude. It was hard. So I did the best I could. I got a call back. I went in, <laughs> did the same thing, wore my same outfit I wore the first time. Did as best I could, and about a week later, Casey Nicola, the director, was kind enough to call me, and I could just tell when he called, and I went, I know, I, I know, I know I didn't get it. I said, I totally understand. I don't think that I'm the person to, to give birth to this woman, to vo- give her a voice. Maybe, I don't know, if someone older possibly? And he was saying, yeah, we think that too. And so, lo and behold, they went to Los Angeles and auditioned all these fabulous women, uh, Eartha Kitt, Tina Louise, know who that? Know who she is? Mm-hmm. Good. There's a line about her in the prom. Anyway, she was um, Ginger on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Joan Van Ark. I mean, that kind of ilk. Those classy women. And nothing. Not not that they didn't give good auditions, but nothing was serving the roles that the author's intention were were searching for. So they came back to New York, kept auditioning, kept auditioning, kept auditioning. And I, I honestly think they finally just gave up. <laughs> because in October, I got a call from my agent saying, uh, you have a job offer, which we love, because that means you don't have to audition. And I was like, I'll take it, wh- whatever it is. And they said, they, you've been offered the job of Beatrice Stockwell in The Drowsy Chaperone. And I said, no, that I'm so sorry. You have that information incorrect. I didn't get that. And they went, mm. So I made them call to make sure that that was actually true. My agent called me back, Mark. And he said, no, you've been, you're being offered the role of Beatrice Stockwell. You leave for a three-month out-of-town tryout in Los Angeles. Uh, pack your bags. Wow. So, bam. So, there you go. They trusted me to give birth to that role. And it was fun and really hard. And then, so you got that and then came back, mm-hmm. Tony... Tony nominated, Tony winner. Which is so satisfying and, when you know that they didn't know what the role was and you all gave birth to it, these fabulous creative people and me. And I feel so proud of that. It's like our work paid off. You know, look what we look what we did. I enjoy that. I I'm are you part of this conversation that's happening right now? I'm gonna take us off on a tangent mm-hmm. for a second. I uh, love tangents. Uh, uh, the conversation that people are trying to get the the uh, the actors and the people that are in the workshops and the and the readings like to be part of like profit sharing like Absolutely. basically what Lynn did with with Hamilton, with Hamilton are you are you I guess selfishly you're probably in support of that of course right well, yeah no there's it's it's a big pie we all should get a part of it fairly yeah, yeah we all particularly a role like drowsy and and Dee it's my DNA is all over it mm-hmm. in the my my creative process is all over her them so I'm hoping that works out I do too so it's not going to happen retroactively though like you're not going to go back and get residuals Please. from drowsy Shepherd. wouldn't that yeah. be great yeah. <laughs> no. get a couple pennies that's all right yeah like I do I've done some commercials and I'll literally get I got a check uh, two weeks ago for seven cents. I'm like, yes, <laughs> woo, it's on me. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so back to back to our train of thought here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 2008. Next thing, um, you worked on Young Frankenstein. I was reading that you were that Mel Brooks made you a little nervous. Well, <laughs> sometimes I, I love teaching uh, audition technique and uh, just 
about life in the theater to uh, high school kids and university kids. And I was telling the other day to a, a group of kids at Syracuse that please always be prepared. And this is my best example of when I wasn't, and it was for Young Frankenstein. I was out doing some Summerstock gig. My agent calls and says, you have an audition to replace Andrea Martin as Frau Blucher and Young mm-hmm. Frankenstein. And I had not seen the show. My vocal coach was not available. I had essentially 28 hours. So what's a smart actor going to do but go to the theater where it's playing and purchase the CD? <laughs> Idiot. As 08, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were CDs then, yes. Yeah. So, because I, I had a very finite amount of time to cramp. So I listened to that CD. I wasn't off book. You know, sometimes I like to get as much of it off the page as I can and go and memorize, but I just didn't have time. And I thought, well, this is just an initial audition. You know, it's just going to be Susan Stroman, who I have such a huge amount of respect for. And she knows that I'm maybe didn't have enough time to prepare. So I still am listening to the CD. Note to self, the actual, what they play on the piano, the accompanist does not play what's on the CD usually. Right. So that's always thrilling. Yes. So that was, I was really going in so unprepared. So I walked in the door thinking it was going to be three or four people. There was a table of 25 people behind this table no to kidding. hear me audition. Susan Stroman, all the creatives, uh, the musical director. And on the other side was Mel Brooks and a bunch of people I didn't know in suits. <laughs> it was, I was, damn. So now I try to do the best I can. I finish what I think is singing the song that I have listened to on the CD. And he says something to me that I so deserved in the kindest way. He went, hmm, I know you're better than that because I saw you do Drowsy Chaperone. And he stood up and he came over to me and I just wanted to fall on the floor apologizing to the entire room for wasting their time. He said, essentially, give me one more chance. So I went home. And I almost came in costume, off book, prepared with makeup for my next audition, making really strong choices. And I walked in, of course, he wasn't there. I just wanted to prove to him (laughs) (laughs) that I wasn't a failure. And I got it. How long long was it between the first and the second audition? Not that long, maybe a week, but I was— Oh, that's that's good time. That was was enough for me to really be a better actor. (laughs) I was so prepared. I was so prepared. Uh, I actually, she asked, Susan Stroman asked me to to read for Frau Blucher and the other role, the Megan Mullally role. I mm-hmm. can't think of the name of that role. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm old. Things, hard drive's <laughs> full. <laughs> so literally, I came in, memorized all the sides, had a costume change that was funny. I, you know, Do you know what chicken cutlets are when you want your— breast bigger. I had those for Megan Mullally's role. And then when I went immediately into Frob Looker, I threw them across the room. I thought it was rather funny. But, <laughs> and then the next day I got the offer to, uh, they offered me Frob Looker. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, you got a uh, drama desk award for that 
or for Beatrice Stockwell and Drowsy Chaperone, yes. uh, as well as a Tony. But then, so you came in 09 then, came into Mamma Mia, replacing Car- Carolee Carmelo. Do you have a preference to uh, of, of originating a role versus coming in and replacing somebody like Carolee? Oh, yes, I do. I sure do. Um, there is nothing like originating a role. There is just nothing like it. A, because it's written for you. Mm. It's written for your comedy. It's written for your high notes. It's written for your low notes. It's written for every all of the, all the things that make you good. So to have that privilege in in Didi Allen and in Drowsy Chaperone, it's really great to originate a role. Plus, you get to do the cast album and everything else, and you don't ever have to hear, "Oh, well, when so and so did it, why don't you do it like that?" Oh, when so-and-so did it, you know, when so-and-so did it, you know. So you, it's, it's an ownership and a, it's really a rare and special privilege to originate a role on Broadway right. or anywhere, but mm-hmm. especially on Broadway. Do you, when you do go in to replace somebody, do you come in and try to emulate what they were doing or do you kind of bring yourself into it? depends on what the creatives want. I hope I don't have to imitate because I'm a terrible imitator and I think it's not very truthful or authentic of you as an artist. And the Mamma Mia people were so good about that. They gave me, it must have been a month's worth of rehearsal. That's a lot. That's No one does that. That's a lot for, no a, for one a replacement. Does that. Yeah. They also said to me, you know, we would go into a studio and they had a, like the faux set set up and props, which is also unusual. And they said, just kind of organically do what you want to do. I'm like, what? And then. What? That never happens. And I was so grateful. Eventually we got, to, because there was a, I don't want to, you know, screw anybody else up that's been doing the show. So they just gave me really soft boundaries and they let me be Beth as Donna hmm. within the constraints of, you know, ABBA and the book and the music. The only thing they didn't do it at Mamma Mia, which was fascinating, I think the ABBA, the group, Benny and Bjorn, wanted, when the music was sung, they wanted it to sound exactly like the recordings that everyone knew Mm -hmm. and and loved, Mm -hmm. which meant having to learn when to straight tone and when to have vibrato. So that was a lot of class. The winner takes it, no vibrato, oh, hold on, now vibrato. (laughs) It It was really interesting. But they let me really claim my own Donna. Mm-hmm. Other other shows, when you replace, it's very strict. I never replaced in chorus line because I can't dance, but I heard that was really strict because everything depended on everything being so uh, specific mm-hmm. for people. That's just the storytelling. This character you've created for the prom mm. is is very much you. I know, my evil twin. Have you, <laughs> Dee Dee Allen, have you... Um, talked with anybody who's had to replace you in other shows and they're like, why did you do this? Yes. I can't do this. It's like, why did you hold that note so long? Like, sorry, sorry. But you don't have to, you know. Yeah, right. no, I haven't. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I haven't talked to anybody that's had to do that. I'm hoping that they bring their own fabulousness into whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I am excited yet feel sorry for whoever has to go in next as Dee Dee Allen, because mm. um, those are some big, uh, some big shoes that are going to have to be oh, filled there. thank you. Shameless laughs. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful, though. I know. No, I, I love it. I love her. I love her. 
It seems like Dee Dee can do whatever she wants. Kind of, yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Or she, she she feels she can do whatever she wants. She doesn't have that that moral compass <laughs> that I feel I feel I have a huge one, but so it's so freeing to play someone that doesn't that puts herself in front before anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> to be so it's, selfish. To be so selfish that one of that okay one of my lines is, I'm so sorry, I, I but I've never said this before to someone, but tell me about you. I mean, she I really know. doesn't ask that question. Right. Love that. Yeah. Who gets to say stuff like that? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you, um, did you have a lot of input into the creative process when the show was being developed? Yes. Yep. But my input wasn't like, oh, let's write a new line. My input was... I would do the comedy, and if it didn't work, they would rewrite it until it worked, and it would be up to me to make it work. Really? Yeah. And if it didn't work, Bob, Martin, and Chad would go, well, it's not funny if Beth can't make it funny. That's a lot of trust. That's a lot of trust, idiots. But (laughs) (laughs) And together, we would just, you know, so we understand each other so much in that room that it made creating and discovering and making mistakes and being successful, it made it easy. It was hard, but it, it was easy because the work and the, the craft is so good and the story is so good. So they just kept polishing it and polishing it, and that was our job in front of our scene partner, the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, ultimately, they tell us what works. Right, right. And then Casey, I mean, you've worked with Casey for a long time. It's crazy for you. Yeah. You know he was in the ensemble of Crazy for You? No kidding. Yeah. We were doing a show in North Carolina at North Carolina Theater. Mm-hmm. We were doing Showboat a long time ago when he was in the ensemble. And my agent, Mark, had sent me the script to Crazy for You. And I was reading it and I looked at him. I said, have you read this? This would be great for you. You should audition for it. So I actually feel responsible for the success of his career. All right. Well, then maybe you get pennies every time he gets paid. You're welcome. You're welcome, Casey. (laughs) Casey was my director at NCT for My Fair Lady. I was in the ensemble. Really? Yeah. Eliza Shadow? Elena? Elena. Elena Shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was was our Eliza. Um, She's wonderful. But yeah, small small world, North Carolina world, man. It all comes back. Love that. It all comes back. Um, Govna. (laughs) Govna. In 2014, the workshops for Something Rotten. Oh, right. Yes. Can we talk about that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, I, there are, I, there are no regrets. I wasn't asked to continue to the Broadway show because the, I, I just literally was too old. Really? Yeah. That's okay. Because the character was supposed to get pregnant and have a baby and I'm like, oh, come on. 
So they were very kind and supportive, and I felt like I gave a lot to the show. And if I had done something rotten, I wouldn't have been able to do something else, and I can't remember what it was. So, you know, I'm a big kumbaya that it's if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't, and something else did. So that's okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, do you still do you still have to audition a lot? Like, what does does Tony Winner kind of peel back a layer of having to audition yes. all the time? All the time. I mean, not all the time. There are times when I have to audition, particularly if it's someone from London or something, or or a director I don't know. I really would like to audition because I don't want him to feel like he has to hire me because I want a Tony Award. I really want to earn that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I would like to see what it's like being in the room with them, him or her. But I don't have to audition as much as I used to before the Tony. Thank you. Yeah, that's not bad. I, that's not I bad. would expect that. And then for someone who has done as many shows as you have, 13 shows, mm-hmm. which is incredible, mm-hmm. I feel like you have a reputation as well that kind of precedes that helps. like... Even yeah. if I hadn't won a Tony Award, I yeah. think just consistency and mm-hmm. professional and... Um, yeah, I, I love what I do. And kind of being just a nice person in general, somebody that people want to work with. That always helps. Yeah. Um, and you've worked in LA and San Diego. Do you, do you have a preference, I guess? Would you live out there if you could, or is it New York no, your home? it's New York's my home. Yeah. New York, Broadway. It's just, that's my ideal life is eight shows a week being with, being happy, you know, I'm engaged and just being here. My kids are here. I'm happy here. Yeah. It's what I know. How long have you been in, in New York then? You, like 30s on here? Yeah, I can't was, do the math. I don't do math. Well, a, yeah, when did you say you moved up? It was like 80, 82. 82, Whichever, yeah. I can't remember if it's 81 or 82. Yeah, so that's... You, you use your fingers and count. 14, 16 years? 16 years. We're in 2018 now, yeah. Yeah, um, 26 years, 26 years. No longer than that. Yeah, 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 longer than that. Think about it. 2018 <laughs> minus 1982 equals... 36. Thank 36. you. 36, yes. You know, when you Sorry. cross over, I've been here longer than you've ever been anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Um, I guess I would... Yeah, I've been here longer than anywhere else, too. 11 years. See? Ish, maybe. How... Me- North Carolina, I've moved multiple places in North Carolina. So if you want to have North Carolina as a whole, then I haven't been here longer. Nope, that didn't count. Okay, All right. doesn't count. Um, I loved L.A. and San Diego. It's beautiful, but I believe it, I like, besides Broadway, I like the snow. I like the weather. Here? Yes. The, the snow is all nasty. I, it does, but do, I think that's from being from North Carolina because when it snowed, everything stopped. Oh, no one knows, knows how to like function. A, exactly. So you didn't go to school. You had soup. The threat of <laughs> snow. They're like, we're everything canceling stops. school for a week. So snow, I just still have this place in my heart. Joy. <laughs> it's like, see it. snow. It's like, yes. And then you have to get on the train and go through the muddy slush. But initially, it's joyous. Until you step in that six-inch puddle on the corner of a clogged storm drain. (laughs) Yes. Um, In the prom, Dee Dee Allen. Brooks is one funny dude. Oh, my God. You should try to rehearse with him, much less be on stage with him. He's the funniest man I think I've ever met in my life. I was going to ask about that. Do you you guys make each other crack on stage? No, we don't. Really? No, we can't cross that line. You know what I mean? Or else the show would go to— So we we respect the show so much— but some days it's really, really, really hard because 
Brooks is, and I, I mean this in the ultimate compliment, he's dangerous on stage. He's dangerous because if he goes up or off, he's, it's so funny. And to try to stay in Didi land, some days is really, really, really hard. But so far, it's, we've been successful. Watch tonight, it'll be like, <laughs> and turn around and you know, your shoulders yeah. are going up and down. But he is truly, truly funny. He and Chris, I mean, just a funny group of people, Angie, just funny, funny people. Oh, makes coming to work really fun. Yeah. It's eight shows a week is a lot. It's a lot. I mean, people it, have no idea. And you're, I mean, your songs, they're written are for hard. you. They're hard. <laughs> they're yeah. Really hard. Like you're belting your ass I off. I'm belting my ass. I'm building my ass off, but yeah. thank God I have vocal technique, yeah. and it doesn't hurt my nose. So far, so good. Uh, have you gotten sick at all yet? Oh, you didn't hear about my... You, were you there? Oh, gosh. Sorry. Talking to people in the room. Yes, my... Um, the third... open Opening night Thursday, Friday, there was just a lot of activity. Saturday matinee, I woke up and went, oh, oh my gosh, I don't feel well. But you'll get over it. And then I threw up. This is so glamorous. I thought, nope, I can do it. Oh, you can get through it. Just get through it. Just get through it. Maybe you're on the other side of it. Maybe you're on this other side of it. And God bless my understudies. She'd never had a rehearsal. So I, I got to the theater, got everything I could think of to make me feel better. Got my wig on, my mic on, my dress, went down at places. And I leaned, I looked at Brooks, and he went, how are you feeling? And I went, not very good. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. And I ran into the wings and projectile. Oh! <laughs> Most of it went into a trash can. It's so glamorous. And I was out three shows. I was so sick. I felt so bad for my understudy, who she was a superstar, Kate Marilli. Superstar. Ugh, so proud of her. She went in with no rehearsal Pretty and like much. 30 seconds notice. They had to hold the curtain. Brooks and Chris went out and made a little speech about what had happened. Felt great. <laughs> I cried all the way in the car Whoa. back to the apartment. I, <laughs> I had people there that day. Ugh, but oh yes, that was a great day. So I have been out. I can't believe it. I'm never out. Did you cry? You really cried on the way back? Absolutely. So you're. Well, I, I, let me ask about that because you're 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 a very jovial person and you're very fun to talk to. But like when you go home and you're not on, right? I sob myself to know I did. <laughs> Do you cry your sleep? Do you cry yourself <laughs> to sleep every night? Um, no. Like what? What is what is the you that nobody sees? Um, I'm much quieter when I'm at home. I don't I don't talk as much or, you know, you guys. It's so stimulating being here. You know, it brings out my my outer inner ham. But when I'm at home, I'm really, I'm, I'm a lot quieter. And on Mondays, I don't say anything pretty much at all. Yeah. I, I'm much more of an introvert than people think I am. I would not be surprised. I'm not surprised at that. Mm. I think a lot of the very successful people, especially after seeing something like Share Show, where the whole story almost is about Explain to the audience that, like, she's really a quiet person and shy. And, like, her, the whole— Have you seen it yet? Oh, Not my same goodness. Same schedule. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. The next time you projectile vomit, see if you can then there make it— There you go. I can it, do a show make it a half-full yeah. approach as opposed to <laughs> yes. a, win, a winning situation. No, the the, the her whole, the whole thing is 
a lot of it is is reminding the audience that she's a very shy person. And and um, she and her mother always told her, act like you know what you're doing. And there she became the person that we see publicly, but it's not it. And I and I feel even through these interviews that we're doing now that a lot of people like they struggled with mental health. They've they've worried about going from job to job and having anxiety about where the paychecks are going to come from or if they're even good enough. And like oh, everyone does that. But, I mean, I don't know any act. That's not true. Most actors I know uh, uh, suffer from some kind of insecurity and always are wondering where the next paycheck is coming from. And am I good enough? That little voice going, oh, oh, and if I hit a wrong note, it's like, oh, no, oh, I'm awful. Oh, I disappointed. Oh, no. Yeah. Welcome to our world. Well, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me because, uh, and we were talking about this earlier, it's like grass is always greener. But on the outside... We're, we're watching, you know, people, we come to the audience, we watch everybody on stage, and it's like, that's Beth Level, Tony Award winning, Beth Level. Like, she can't do no wrong. And it's the same kind of thing, like, if you go see a, a, a comedian, and they say something, you're like, ha, I'm going to laugh at that, because I'm predisposed to think they're funny. Right. Whereas somebody else who is not funny says the exact same thing, you're like, get out of here. <laughs> Where if, I think if you, if you, if there was a misstep or a misnote, it would just be it would just be part of the fun. Really? Oh, yeah. that makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think like yeah. Let me help to take the pressure Thanks. off of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So you can go go out tonight and have fun. <laughs> now, believe me, I find joy, or I couldn't do it. Right. Oh, I have to find joy in it, or uh, literally, I'd have to retire. Have you had a moment where where you've like kind of struggled to find the next step? Not the next step. I've had moments where I've struggled to find the next job. Um, just like I remember after I had my my kids, getting back into that world. And there was a time before uh, the revival of 42nd Street where I was like, I maybe I should teach or do something. because Not because I didn't have the passion or wanted to do it. That just the work wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. The work wasn't coming. And then after 42nd Street, it just that then drowsy happened, and that kind of paid the bills for a while. Yeah, I guess more more emotionally or mentally, mm. the have you been in a, a moment where you're like, oh, this is this is just too much. Like the anxiety, I I kind of what you were saying a second ago about, am I good enough? Am I going to hit the right note? Am I going right. to hit my mark? Is that that all sounds like anxiety to me? It is anxiety, of course. It's so, ref- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I refuse to let it win. I refuse to let it take my joy. I refuse. So you go through your moment, you get to the other side, you know, snap out of it. Yep. And you, you, some days are easier than others, but most days I love what I do. And no matter what, I'm going to keep doing it because it brings me joy. That's, you can't ask for anything better than that. Until people start booing me. (laughs) Get off. You're not singing high enough. Ah, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do you go out to the stage door and greet people afterwards? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's Partic- been- particularly with prom. I mean, there's the young kids out there. Just they're so. The show has touched them in such a way that I just want to. I just like to hear what they have to say. What have they said? Thank you. Um, I see myself on stage. Thank you for making me laugh like I haven't laughed in forever. It's a, it's like a, a compilation of loving the show, loving the show, loving Dee Dee. And seeing a LGBTQ character on stage fall in love and kiss. 
Yeah, well, so you guys, the you made history. The show made history on yeah, the... Apparently we did. Yeah, with uh, the Macy's mm-hmm. Day Parade. You did the, the same-sex kiss on national TV, which, right. why is that history? Exactly. Like, why is it... Why, I guess, we why, why know, did it take so, so long? Exactly. Yeah. We didn't even think about it. And we didn't, like, yeah, that's what happens. It's a love story. And then some people went, was that going to happen on Macy's? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and it did. And look, we're still here, and people loved it and what, are coming to see the show. Was there ever any any conversation? I, I, maybe it didn't even make it to you. I guess maybe with the producers, they're like, should we cut that? Should we do that? Or did if, they? If there was, we didn't hear about it. Yeah. And we never, never thought we were not doing that. Again, that's just the end of our number. It was like, that's how the show ends. It's not like, ooh, are they or aren't they? Like you said, yeah. love is love. Yeah. That's how oh, the no. story ends. It's beautiful. And it, I, I love it. I love part of it. Part of why I love the prom is because it's, it's, there's so many things going on. There's multiple stories that oh, all yeah. converge at the end. But like the, the love story, it, it's, it's a story because the mom... The mom makes it a story because she's, you know, she's homophobic, but the the girls themselves are, they're just two people in love. It's That's not, it. it's, they're not like acting like lesbians, no. right? I put in air quotes, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is it? It's just no. two people who want to be in a relationship. And Pretty that's much. what I find really, really kind of, I think, eye-opening for a lot of people. They're like, oh, that's just a normal relationship like I want to have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love this song. I just want to dance with you. I don't want yeah. to make a riot. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do... I just want to dance with you. Mm-hmm. I love that. At the at the parade, though, I was... I had I had sympathy for you guys in you know what, what, 19 degree weather. To me, what made history in that parade <laughs> is that it was the coldest Macy's Day parade weather ever. When we got there for camera rehearsal, it was... Five degrees. Oh goodness! I know it was five degrees. That was and your awesome. costumes are not no, very thick. No, they are not. You probably wouldn't notice in that tiny little gold flashy suit. I had long johns on underneath them. I didn't notice. No, oh, that'll keep me warm. And some kind of Under Armour teeny tiny T-shirt. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm toasty. Yeah. No, they they did everything they could to keep us warm, but. It was really cold. Oh, yeah. No. My nose is still a little, like, like peeling. I think I got a little bit of frostbite. Oof. We did it. We did it. So that was a, a, a historical day in so many ways. And you're, eh, singing, eh. you're singing live, right? Or no. are you singing to tracks? Oh, no? no, tracks. No? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, uh, I don't think, I, I saw a picture of me singing. You know, we're dancing and stuff, and it's yeah. just like the air, the cold air coming out of my, what do you call that? The, my breath the, is... The, the frost mist. Exactly. Yeah. You can even see my face. Oof. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was actually wonderful. I was trying to, I have a two and a half year old and a four year old and I'm trying to get them to like Aww. watch all this. And they're like, what is this? Are these commercials? I don't like commercials. They're very cute. They are cute. How old are your kids? 28 and 23. <laughs> do they know what commercials are? Probably not. <laughs> not anymore? Oh yeah, they do. But you can yeah. skip it now. You yeah. Know. Just bloop, bloop. I remember the TiVo. I love that TiVo noise. Oh, right. Cool. So let us wrap this up here. I've got three standard questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. Number one, generally, what motivates you? Uh, my paycheck. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just answer. kidding. I know. No, you know what? This sounds so cheesy, but like I was saying, I love what I do. And very few of us get to originate a Broadway show or work on Broadway or do our craft in general and get paid for it. 
that motivates me. What advice would you give to your younger self or younger people or and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? I would tell you that you are singular. That no one, no one is like you. And that's the gift that you have to offer. So discover your singularity as an artist. Practice your craft. Uh, if you're curious and passionate about it, see what, go for it. Just go for it because you are singular. So don't imitate. Don't expect you to, don't expect to be someone else because then you wouldn't be you. And that's who you are as an artist. You discover, discover that. Nice. And then last question, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want. Wow. What really? would you see? Besides prom? Yes. There's so, there's so many. I would, I, I mean, I, I can just choose one. Yes. Gypsy. Go oh, with Patty. I don't care. They can have a revolving, you know, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Have you seen prom? Have you seen a video? Like no. they recorded yet? No, I just see B-roll, you know, the little yeah. clips. I don't, oh, so know if, you, I don't know if I could watch it. I don't like to watch myself. I'm so critical. Oh, well, don't be. Oh, well, you're, well. you're phenomenal. That's you. why you, you got the role. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so on Instagram, you're just at Beth Level, L-E-A-V-E-L. Yes. I'm, and that's, yeah. that's all you got. I know. And I know. I know. I'm, it's sad. I don't do social media. You don't have to. No, I don't. I don't. I get, I do eight shows a week. That's what I do. <laughs> and get more of me and the theater podcast at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, theater, the theater podcast.com, facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Of course, big thank you as always to our friends, Jukebox the Ghost for this lovely music you hear right now. Please subscribe share this podcast tell your friends go on your app right now rate us give us oh, give a positive wow. review all of that fancy stuff that helps us keep going don't so, know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> social media <laughs> thank you Beth you're Lovell. welcome what a great interview thank you take a deep breath make the world a little colorful Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.